Good morning. Good morning. We keep doing these morning ones. I know. Our life revolves around a little man who yeah. kind of controls the volume of this house these days. Well, and we're, we're having a little difficulty finding a, uh, a, a rhythm in all of the, you know, added projects and all that kind of stuff, too. Also, so. to have that drink that you had planned for yesterday and to record in the heat is really hard. We don't have air conditioning and yeah. the afternoons just get tough. So. Oh, we did have a killer drink planned, though. Yeah, we we'll did. Have to, we'll have to pre-try it before we come on <laughs> I the know, next episode. It still episode. looks really yeah. good. So. Yeah. Just stay tuned. There's a little, se- <laughs> a little teaser. A little, st- a little teaser is what I was trying Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, well, so I'm kind of excited about what we're drinking this morning, though. Okay, tell me what's in my cup. Yeah, because this is similar to last week because, you know, you're, you're kind of limited to coffee options <laughs> when we record morning uh, you podcasts. You could be making me mimosas. <laughs> Dude, Oh, I could. We actually have a little OJ in there. I totally... Well, we don't have uh, champagne, though, so... No. I could have have fought ahead and bought that stuff. You're right. You're right. Uh, So we're kind of doing a similar thing to what we did last week, in that we have our uh, Cafe Dolce, our uh, (laughs) Kahlua's, you know, country cousin, and then... uh, uh, But we're using, like, heavy whipping cream. Oh, this is going to pay you back later. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) No, you're like, you have a dairy issue, so. Yeah, well, it's mixed with coffee and cafe dolce. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me of a Simpsons episode, which I'm not going to go into. (laughs) It's just, you know, everything reminds me of a Simpsons I was going to say, there's not much that doesn't. So, So, hey, good morning to you. This This is going to be some... Decadent coffee here. Mm, okay. Yeah, decadent is the word. So, oh, that's yum. Yeah, that is okay. quite nice. That that cream, that whipping cream, just took it to the next level. To the next level. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. You see now why you, I had to pull out words like decadent, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's. I a, mean, it's a good word for it. <laughs> it actually is. It actually is. So. Uh, yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been an interesting week, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We survived a week of TikTok. (laughs) We did, yes. Well, we survived and died on TikTok, pretty much, and then, you know, there's been some some new actually hey, yeah. we I don't understand say, i wouldn't say well, we died we just didn't just have saying, like that first post was where i think it's at over twenty three thousand views. views at this point and yeah. um but um you know there's so much conversation which is what's really exciting to me it is um, it is you can read the data all you want but um it just That's, tells me yes. that there is conversation that is wanting to be had and that there is deep pain and even anger on both ends of the spectrum of this conversation of the, the evangelical, evangelical conversation, conversation and yeah. some yeah, which seems kind of, to be what's coming up. So yeah, yeah. Um, we, I mean, there's no doubt we definitely have a draw in the in that community. Um, yeah, which. You know, I, we fought it for a long time. Well, me more than you. Well, um, it's just the arena that I know, so it's easy to yeah. have a conversation in there. But, um, but I also, being on 
the other side of a, you know, a, a deconstruction um, for myself personally. There's a lot of conversations I want to be having. It's like going back to conversations we had, you know, years right. ago. So, right. um, but I'm, I'm seeing that for some people, this is the beginning or this is still um, space for a lot of, um, a lot of hurt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to scoop them all up and give them all a big hug and say, you know, you're going to be okay, mm. you know? So I want to keep talking to them through my screen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually want to hug them, but can I do a virtual hug? Because I'm, right. I really like. Because we've also had some creepy comments. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> so you know, no yeah, doubt. <laughs> Just you know, because it was getting a little too serious there for me for a minute, so I had to you know. Oh my gosh! Lighten the mood a moment. <laughs> Just stop talking about feelings. <laughs> Uh, Well, we'll, I mean, we'll get into the feelings for sure. It's just, you know, listen, a man is like an iron and he heats up slowly Uh, when it. (laughs) Yeah, but it unplugs pretty quick too. Because when you when you're done you're you're yes, done yes, having yes, that yes, conversation. Yes, so. Yeah. Well, um, you know that was kind of a throwback to our our purity conversation there. So. Um, oh. Don't you remember that? Talking about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the whole thing about I where. I know. I know. Yeah, a man is like a light switch with sex, and, yeah. a, and a woman is like an iron with sex. She heats up slowly. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wonder if these are things that are told to us so that we are ingrained to respond that way or if they are more actualities. So, yeah, I have to question everything now that, you know, you were taught in about anything because you're like, was that, um, you know, forced perspective or was that actual... You know, yeah. that's really how it is, and we just built an analogy around it. I don't know. You know, it sounds like we're like we're being very scattered in our conversation this morning, but it actually all relates a yeah, lot because this is uh, this is the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the conversation of what is real. You know, <laughs> what is yeah. uh, what is actually true. What is you know what is truth. I mean, it's all all of those kinds of things are the the conversations that we're, that we're having over and over again. And, um, and, and I think that for all of the efforts of the evangelical church to nail down what is truth and then to say, this is, this is our, and this is a quote, this is the only source of truth, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that, um, has, uh, has created a lot of uh, cognitive dissonance in people, but mm-hmm. it's also created a lot of um, just insecurity in people too. Now, when they when they come to this point of saying, "But I don't get it anymore. This doesn't seem to be playing out," and then it's like, "What's wrong with me? How do I?" You know, all that kind of stuff, right? And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just think it's it's very interesting, and you know. Oh, sorry. Was I getting too far from the mic? You, you there. keep getting further and further, and we're well, sharing a mic well, it's today. Because I'm, I'm starting to engage my feelings, and I'm starting to have conversation yeah, your body's here. Your body getting more expressive. Yeah. Your arms are moving out, away from you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
I think it, you know, we, we talk about a lot in terms of evangelicalism, but I think it happens in a lot of circles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anywhere where you establish systems of beliefs, mm-hmm. you have, you know, uh, over a period of time, then you those systems become more and more rigid and confining as opposed mm-hmm. to freeing, mm-hmm. which I think is what they were in, originally intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um for, I mean, probably most of the systems out there, obviously there are systems that are very much intended to confine, you know, but uh, but we're not talking about those. Um, so, I mean, I was even, you know, I was listening to uh, a conversation the other day with somebody who is well-known, I won't say well-respected, <laughs> he's very... Uh, he has a very polarizing voice, so people either love him or despise him. <laughs> well, I'm so um, curious who this is. Yeah, well, I don't really, I, any, anyway, it's one of those where it's just <laughs> kind of like, well, you know, honestly, I, I, I resonate with more that he talks about than I thought that I would, but then I have some real issues with him too, Yeah. Know? so anyway, um, but uh, but he was talking about the the problem of uh, of you know gender equality, uh, the problem of gender equality, <laughs> and he was going into all of these you know statistical things and and all you know there's just like this research is coming out of countries that they, they've tried to do, you know, that move, make movements in these directions to really equalize everything to where there's no differences in pay gap. There's no differences in, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, occupational, uh, positions. There's no positions in, in family structure or, or no, no hierarchies in family structure, all those kinds of things. There's, there's places, you know, that have made like, significant intentional movements to try to level the playing field for mm-hmm. the genders. And and so he was citing like some of the other things that are coming out of this that were some some problematic things, you know, and, and they're they're true problems because anytime that you try to fix one system, you you inadvertently start creating new systems and there's problems that come with that too, right? But the the, the biggest thing, the point of all this rambling uh-huh. <laughs> is uh there's like this fundamental piece that was missing in the conversation with this guy. And he's a, he's a very intelligent, very educated guy, but he just kept talking about, you know, we, we can't get away that, you know, if you take, you know, a hundred men that X amount of them are going to act this way. And, you know, and a hundred women, then X amount of them are going to act this way. Those are just, those are statistically male and female traits, you know? And, and it's like, for me, I'm like screaming in my head that, yeah, but that is, that is influenced from the moment that mm-hmm. they are born. Right. Like from the moment they are born. I just think about it like with, with Asher, we look at Asher and we're like, you know, man, he, he's very different than our daughters where, you know, cause he's, he's more aggressive, he's more, all these guys, we would say those are male traits. And I'm like, but from the beginning, we kind of treat Asher as a boy. Right. <laughs> right. Right? And so we encourage those male traits, even if it's unintentionally, it's just like, come on, dude, and all right, get up, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and, and you know, I want to wrestle with him, you know, and I want to, like all those kinds of things. 
and, and I'm not saying, I don't, I don't regret any of that. I'm not saying any of it's wrong. I'm just saying, you know, you, you cannot, you cannot observe uh, any male or female in a vacuum. Mm-mm. You cannot do it to say, is there a male and is there a female trait? Um, it, I mean, like truly, like truly, truly, truly down to the essence, right? I don't, I, I mean, I agree with you. In fact, Sydney was at Target yesterday grabbing a few things and she was in the shoe section with Asher and found these cute little, you know, slip on um, shoes and they came in all different colors and he wanted the pink ones and so she was looking for his size in the pink and didn't have it so she let him pick out the next color and he picked out yellow and she said she wasn't really thinking much about it she was just letting him pick what color he liked and and this lady was giving her stink eye because there's obviously a boy's section of the colors and a girl's section of the colors. <laughs> and he was not in the boy section. And apparently yellow is not a boy color, which blew my mind. But um, it, it's like... Yes. colors belong to, to gender. Be, yeah. So Sydney came home and she was a little frustrated. And, and I said, yeah, this is the world, you know, we live in on a marketing level. Um, things are wired towards... Um, choosing what genders should have um and I said but he came home with the yellow ones and a pair of black ones and um and uh he wore those all afternoon it didn't matter what he was wearing he just loved to stomp around in these little shoes right and uh and it was just she's working so hard to give him all the freedoms to make choices on what what he likes in the world and um, surprisingly, and I didn't pay attention to this when I was raising my girls, surprisingly, that happens really, really young, those choices of preference. And, and she's working really hard to let him help um, lead in some of that. And so I'd really admire her in that, but it's, it's tough. It's, um, the world isn't shaped for that um, when you walk out your house doors. So... Um, yeah, how do you, how do you really have a biased perspective on, on traits like that, um, when culture has so much to do with it? Um, but I, I would say that across the board with, with most things that we come to, um, you know, complete the package of who we are in this world and how we navigate and what we believe and what we think, um, so much is influenced by where where we started from and I think it takes conscious choice to um to question those things and to say is that really me or is that something that is uh a force from the outside coming in um and I think it gets incredibly convoluted when you talk about spirituality because um it's really hard to separate culture from our spirituality, I mean, you just you just see it in different parts of the world. I mean, there's there's pockets of, you know, belief systems. So, um, yeah, it's. I, in fact, um, one of the things I was kind of surprised about on TikTok, we did a post yesterday about 
the mass exodus of um, from the evangelical church here in America. And of course, these are quick little you know snippets, mm-hmm. and we were trying to you know we were answering the question, why do we think this is happening? And obviously, these posts are just our thoughts. They're not. Sometimes they're backed up with something, but they're really our experience, right? And um, and and how we're perceiving the world. And it's really interesting that there are basically two veins coming out in this. One of them is can list you all the reasons why they other people are listing all the reasons why they think that this mass, mass exodus is happening in terms of things they're frustrated with in the evangelical church. And then there's this other side that is doing the same thing, but saying that it's a heathenistic movement um, of people falling away from God. They never knew God in the first place. And it's it's really still so polarizing that depending on your personal experience, doesn't matter what the facts are, but your personal experience is going to answer that question for you. And um, so with so many variations of experience, particularly in the U.S., um, or, you know, even just which religion that you're coming from, um, that answer is all over the place. So, um, you know, you can sit there and post graphs or post um, specifics, but really it comes down to the human experience and what are people feeling like is happening and what is that why? And it's going to come from the worldview they currently have, not necessarily um, accurate information. It's accurate to their experience. Yeah, well, you know, that's like trying to nail jello to a wall, though. So. Well, I understand. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> um, this is. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. It's all. It's all very influenced by what we're experiencing and what we're exposed to. And and this is where, um, I think there's there's different camps. Of course, there's always different camps that fall whenever you you know you you present information or an idea or whatever. And and one of the camps is the denier camp. That's not the case. It's, I mean, boys Mm -hmm. are boys and girls are girls, and that's the way God made them. That's why it's that way. That's the denying of that Mm -hmm. influence, you know, matters. Um, There is the, uh, there are those who then, who fully embrace that influence uh, it starts at, like you're saying, I mean, it, at a very young age and, mm-hmm. and it can't, uh, and it, it exists and it's actually evil. That influence is evil. We should <laughs> not be influencing like this. Right. Um, and those are kind of the, I would say, I, I should say the multi different camp. There's lots of different camps, but th- those are the far ends of the spectrum, right? They either mm-hmm. deny it or it's evil. Right. Um, and there's a whole lot of in between, and I, and I think that, um, excuse me, <clears throat> as I have been really thinking about this a lot and um, trying to approach it pragmatically too, like w- like what do we do with this? I mean, it's like okay, let's let's say that we we figure something out here, you know, <laughs> and ooh, we're so look at us, we're so brilliant, we figured it out, right? Okay, well then what? Then what? Right, like, what do we do with it then? Right, what? How does it? How does it affect how we 
live our life? How does it affect how we engage with Asher? How does it affect, you know, all this kind of stuff? And I, and I think for me, um, I've just really solidly come to this place of saying that it's very important for us to understand that this happens so that we can observe it happening. Mm -hmm. And that's why. And then, so we can become more aware of extremes that happen within this too. Yeah. Right? And also, so that I can can flex and flow with with changes that happen in it too. Right? Um, So... I have, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do on, on TikTok is, is I, I really pay attention to the trans community on, on TikTok because it's just so, it's so fascinating to me um, how, how somebody can go through a, a transformation of their identity at that level. Mm-hmm. Like, like they were born with one set of genitalia, Right. And they were raised in, a, in accordance with that genitalia. And now they dissociate from that genitalia or they've had it replaced, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, I know there's way more to it than that. Please don't. I'm just, I'm trying to make this like so, like I, I right. realize that is extremely reductionistic, right? But there... But there's this fascination for me that, like, how does somebody go through that kind of immense transformation of identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, there's a whole there's a whole conversation that could happen there. Um, so, but that's you know later. Uh, but then I think about too as a parent, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, how, as a parent, do you go through the transformation of how you identify your child who was born in a way that you understand and is now transitioning into a way that you don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you cannot empathize with. You can't, you can't go there with them. And, um, and I think there's this, there's this part of it when it's like, when you, when you, understand how in the the power of influence and how we can't escape it and how it's everywhere and it has always been and it will always be right mm-hmm. nobody can be born into a vacuum it would be wrong if they were if we tried um but uh, anyway uh when you understand that then you can you know, this whole idea of social constructs, you know, social constructs of sexuality, social constructs of gender, social constructs of um, uh, even just, you know, the basic things of political beliefs and marriage and faith and all those kinds of things. Everything is social constructs. Everything is, you know, we built these systems together, right? Then I can flex within that and I can say, okay, so this social construct no longer applies to my child, they can, you know, there's a, there is a flux uh, or a flex of, of construct that they can, that you, you can just bend then to be able to, um, to be able to, to gain some, at least sympathy, right? So to, to sympathize sympathy with their, empathy. no sympathy. Cause I, I, empathy again is like, I, 
like I feel what you're feeling, right? And I and I don't I don't know that I can ever do that with mm-hmm. with someone that in 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 that kind of transformation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I would love to be able to learn you know, if that's a possibility or not. Anyway, well, I would really like it if you didn't actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> Empathizing doesn't mean becoming. Well, I'm like, wait, what are you saying here? Yeah. Are you saying you wouldn't love me anymore? <laughs> so, no. Same. You know, bring it on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yes. No worries. Anyway. I mean, I have seen you in a dress. You in have Salt seen Lake. me in a dress. Yes. <laughs> you look like... Um, an islander. Yes, I, I look like a uh, female bodybuilder. Is what I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that makes me feel good about myself because I get to say bodybuilder, but also <laughs> I wore a dress. Well, you had long hair at the time too, so I mean, Ooh. are you getting this picture? <sighs> I'm getting. A little, I think we're getting a little off topic here. <laughs> yes, we are. Sacred space, baby. <laughs> Sacred space. Um, anyway, does that make? I, did I convolute that too much, or do you do you get what no, I'm trying to I, say? That I get, I, I that's get the pragmatic saying. value of that for me. Um, well, one of the things that um, you and I had um, found incredible resolution in, but I'm also seeing this in many comments that are coming out on the TikTok channel that we're, you know, facilitating, <laughs> um, right. is that people have entered into a an idea of belief about many things, gender or faith or politics or whatever. And then, then life happens. They have a child. Oh my God. Yes. They have a child who, um, who is queer. Um, but this isn't something they experienced their whole life. So they're transisting with their child through that, um, yeah, that life uh, experience as well, or, um, or trans or, you know, whatever it might be. Or questioning or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, um, and we know, you know, friends of ours, close friends of ours who, um, who are experiencing the same thing in their home too. And the, and the choice that they're up against is not about right and wrong anymore. It's about love. And so many of them are saying, I chose love. I chose love over the belief. I chose love over the system. I chose love over um, the the law, in a sense. Yeah. And with no regret, you know, it's hard, but no regret. I would always choose love. You know, is is what we're what we're experiencing. And I and I think you and I have come to that um, quite some time ago as well. And um, and I think about it in terms of some of the belief systems that um, are, are in America specifically, that we are we have been okay, particularly in evangelical Christianity, we have been okay to say that God is love. And, um, and yet, when love is experienced outside of the construct of that belief system, um, then all of a sudden... We have to do the mental gymnastics of redefining what love is. And we make this new definition. We make this new order in how, what love looks like, how it's used, how it acts, yeah. all of that. And, um, and yet there's these beautiful souls who are saying, I just choose to love um, because this is my child. Um, this is my family member. This is my friend. This is, 
and they're willing to flow for the sake of love. And that, to me, is a much deeper spirituality, a much deeper um, human um, evolution, (laughs) Um, I think a much uh, wiser, older soul that sits within that choice. Um, and knowing that for some people, this, this may be a journey they do for a time and there may be a pendulum swing back to something else or into something else. Um, but this is a choice that they make to reside within love. Um, and that's what I keep coming back to, no matter what the conversations around faith, politics, culture, raised this way or not raised this way, uh, you know, data in a vacuum, all that kind of stuff. Um, we cannot negate the human experience. And we cannot negate the soul that we, um, the soul has connection with each other. And it has a desire um, to love. Um, so where does that lead us? Um, and that's part of, you know, some of my conversation on this podcast before about um, about rules. You know, it, we need those because we can't actually love well, right? We don't actually know what it means to love another human being um, as we love ourselves. So the rules are there to remind us that, hey, oh yeah, this is something that you're doing that's not loving another person. So we have to have a rule there so that we constantly remind you of this. Um, But I think that those who sit deeply within that guidance of love um, really become more and more absent of the rules anyway. Um, But anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, and I mean, I I would... I agree with you. I, I would, I would frame it just a little differently from for myself in saying that those who aren't intent on love, that's mm. who the rules are for, um, and and that can be anyone at any point in time. Okay, so let me ask you this: <clears throat> intent can be um, uh, previously guided. Um, so in the Christian faith. We, we had the intent to love other people, but it was in the guise of this is what loving someone else intentionally looks like. I need to make sure they know about, you know, hell. I need to make sure that they know about no, Jesus right. on the cross. Right. You know, so, so this is the space where we keep rethinking. I just had an interview for my next podcast. Okay, but I want to come back to that. Just, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, but um, one of the things that we talked about, um, this was an old friend of ours um, from... Uh, we realized we have known her longer than we haven't, and um, yes. <laughs> right, and um, uh, yeah, you have known her. Wait, we might possibly both have known her before we knew each other. I didn't know her. I met her in you Hawaii. Know, oh, you did. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. so yeah. so you you definitely. But you've known her as long as you've known me. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I don't know why that was important. It I don't either. Important. But. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, I got, after many, many years of just kind of only being on social media, I got the opportunity to just sit and talk with her and actually record a podcast with her. And, um, and we talked about, 
where we began, how we met, and move and moving through that um, that faith journey, um, paid position faith journey, the ministry that we were all set out to do, and um, and what that meant to move out of that at some point, and um, it was it was really interesting because she actually I was so um, inspired by this, but she owned this act of manipulation in her love while being in ministry so that she was recognizing that the things that she was doing that she would call love um, towards people within her ministry, and that was air quotes, um, she looks at now and says there was deep manipulation in how I loved people. Um, So very intentional about love. Yeah. But with the caveat that there's a condition for the love that I'm giving, that you need, to, there needs to be a response back. There needs to be something that changes on your end for this love to be. And I think that's that's what I'm talking about. This exchange of love, depending on what our worldview or our context for that growing up, um, faith or culture or politics, love has a uh, a definition. And so these parents that are moving with their children through these um, choices or grandchildren through these choices to um, to trans to transform their identity or um, you know sexuality or whatever it might be, um, those are, are just two very obvious, obvious kinds of, right. yeah, yeah. There's because there's a lot of stuff, but sure, but these um, are very obvious. Gender and sexuality are right. very obvious, yeah. But those who are choosing to love in that are having to get back to the base of what love is, the raw part of love, and um, and I think that is beautiful. Yeah, I, I think that is. Um, I I think the the rules have slipped away mm-hmm. at that point. Um, like the, and and I that was the what I was going to come back to when you were when you were talking about sometime you know the, the rules of you know. We were taught at one point in time in evangelicalism that if you loved someone, you would witness them. If you loved someone, then you would try to save them from hell, all mm-hmm. these kind of things. But that's a rule mm-hmm. that fucked up love. Right. Not, it, it wasn't love dependent upon. Right. Like we needed a rule to help us understand love, right? Right. It was, yeah. It, And I think that, um, you know, that, you know, somebody, you know, asked on, you know, in the, in the comments on, on TikTok, I can't believe we're, we're actually, actually talking, talking about, about TikTok. TikTok conversations. Oh but you know what? Whatever. It's uh, it. it it's I just some... swore I'd never be on that platform. I know, and here but we are. but I'm actually I'm really enjoying <laughs> these conversations, right? Um, so sorry. So anyway, uh, the uh, you know one of the, the you know one of the things that I mentioned on there about uh, you know the the exodus of from evangelicalism was that that. I think that the evangelical church has um, has focused on other than Jesus's freeing message, right? And so they've they made other things priority. And so, um, so somebody commented, you know, well, what, you know, what freedom did Jesus actually offer, right? And mm-hmm. um, and my my response to that was, well, from from what I understand of the writings <laughs> is that he offered 
freedom from rules. He offered freedom from obligations. He offered freedom from, you know, the confining systems, He, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And the freedom that was offered was in, uh, was, came down to the simple kind of idea that if you focus on these two things, and you'd call this a rule, I would say this isn't a rule, um, but to love God with all of your, with your entire being and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And then I, I did something that I, I haven't put into words before. And I said, love God parentheses, the all mm-hmm. and love your neighbor parentheses, the tangible near. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like that. So it's, so it's this awareness and love of, with the, the connection with mm-hmm. the all with the with the everything right Mm -hmm. and but then that tangible right there that you can actually engage with you also have to love there Mm -hmm. and i think what what uh, particularly evangelicalism has done has has focused more on the love of the all even though they they confine that to a person still. They I mean there's a there's right. some idolatry that exists there, right? And saying right. that the the a being as opposed to the allness, mm-hmm. <laughs> the wholeness mm-hmm. of everything, right? And then the 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 love of the tangible near, well, that only applies if the tangible near is in this system or is within mm-hmm. these confines or you know, or I can uh, say that I, I I love that I love I love that individual, but I hate what they do. You know, all this kind of stuff, statement. right? And, it, and it's yes. like um, it, because we're so used to fragmenting, we're yes. so used to being able to tear apart and and compartmentalize things, and we don't understand this aspect of entirety. Yes, and and there and the freedom that that you know, that Jesus offers um, is to just be completely free to just love and not worry about anything else. We just love. Okay, well then, if everybody just went around just loving each other all the time, then nothing would ever get done or whatever else. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) If... If it I would build care, a if whole I, new culture. It would build a whole new kind of community. It would yeah. build a whole new uh, life experience if that was actually the way. Of of doing and caring and providing and engaging and relating and all of the, the ings, right? Yeah. Uh, but from a different source, not out of obligation, not because I have to, not out of greed, not out of power or position or any of that kind of stuff, but out of love. Um, now, well, that's that's impossible. We would never get there. And not only that, but there, you know, there's other people that say that would be unsafe. That would be unsafe for me if I lived in such a way that I just gave out of the abundance of my love for everything and I just everything I did and all that that would expose me to people who would take advantage of me and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah because we've I mean we've really gotten this quite fucked up along the way mm-hmm. you know um bec- why because of choices to not be free in love because we have chosen the confines of self-preservation 
or we've chosen the confines of protection, or we've chosen the confines of um, position or greed or, you know, whatever else that it might be. Um, and so that even when we do things w- that we think are out of love, there's still like this hesitancy. There's still like this um, this caution that is there because it's a, it's a dangerous world to to be vulnerable in. Mm-hmm. Um, it for is, some people, it, very physically too. Right. But for everyone, emotionally. Yeah. It is, a, it is an emotionally dangerous world to be vulnerable. Yes. And the, how you gauge that or <laughs> rate that or experience that looks different in different parts of the Absolutely. world. And that's why I'm just like, this is... Americans are very eager to compartmentalize everyone and put everyone in a box and say this is how it works. And, right. And it's just, um, yeah. you know. All, all people relate as I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the American yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's immature of us to be so quick to um, to put people behind numbers. Um, you know, I'm. I do. I, I actually really engage with information, with data, with. Um, uh, studies of things. I mean, that's very interesting to me. Um, it's probably the part of Christianity that I really enjoyed was the study and the dissection and the of of thought it, within yeah. that container. Um, but I am I'm intentional about about allowing um, human experience into the entire equation um, because, frankly. Um, I spent a lot of years holding people to my worldview and my experience in life rather than absorbing or um, hearing or seeing their experience in life. Um, Yeah. Which is is very human of you, right? I mean, that we... that's, That's kind of a human thing wherever we are in the world... Is that we 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 think that our view is the view, and in, and unless unless there are things that challenge that along the way, mm-hmm. um, then we are never presented with anything differently. Um, and then, <laughs> but, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And I was going to say, but then, once challenged, if we choose to not engage, well, then we stay willfully ignorant. Right, that our yeah. our view is the only view, and then if we choose to engage with that, that there is that there is a far more expansive worldview that covers as many different perspectives and and that sort of thing. It's a that begins a journey, and that journey can be incredibly rewarding, but it can also be exhausting. It can also be overwhelming. Um, I I was raised within the Christian belief system that the challenge presented to my faith was um, the enemy. Yes. So... Um, like literally, uh, like the devil. Right. It was, it was demonic, yes. Right. So you, in order, to, in order to handle that on your intellect and soul, you have to 
decide that then the belief system that you have about all of this isn't about challenging it. It's about holding it. Mm -hmm. It's about raising it up. It's about building something behind it that is stronger than the, the challenge it, bolstering force. it yeah yeah um so then we become you know onward christian soldiers yeah right um so when you can take that piece of the equation out then you can see that challenge of thought a challenge from an outside whether it's a human experience or it's information or it's um whatever that challenge might be, you can allow it in for a processing, for a, okay, what about that? doesn't mean I have to agree with it. It just means that I allow it to be part of my human understanding, my life understanding. But in the framework of religion, and I don't think it's isolated to evangelical Christianity because I'm I'm seeing uh, ex-Mormons on on our TikTok commenting and having a very similar experience as well, um, that, that coming out of this, um, uh, what would you call it? <laughs> I keep thinking of superheroes, the villain and the anti-villain, right? Yeah. And, or, or the anti-hero or however you, however you say that. I'm not. Uh, I don't know my words, you, you know. Or just the hero and the villain. The hero and the villain. There you go. Those were the words I was looking for. Um, but when we can stop looking at life in in those um, restrictions, then we actually open things up to be a to be a learning experience right. and a growing experience, rather than a um, bolstering up and stockpiling my ammunition so that I'm ready for the next challenge or the next um, villain to come in. Um, it's a lot of energy spent on defending something that you've never allowed it to be actually be challenged. You know, I, I'm, I'm amazed um, how far I've come when I see some of these comments um, because it's holding to God said this, mm -hmm. holding to Jesus said this, which half the time I'm like, yeah, I did. So why aren't we doing that? Um, right. <laughs> but or holding to, um, you know, the the, the plumb line is um, a book, a text that has been deemed holy, um, and everything is based on that. But if we actually challenge what we read we might learn and grow and expand and God might actually get a little bit bigger, you know, might actually be uh, better than what we had before exactly. the challenge, right? Um, because the God that uh, is confined without challenge of belief or challenge of worldview um, is actually quite small right. and quite hurtful and... And weak. Yeah, and... Yeah. and um. And petty and all these yes, other... Yes, a God that needs protecting is not much of a God. No, um, and, and if... It's so I, I find that if if I'm having to ask... <coughs> if I'm me. having to ask the questions of... And I'm finding myself doing the mental gymnastics. I'm moving from one passage in this text to another to come to some sort of um, conclusion. I might need to rethink what is going on in the first place, that maybe there's something outside of this one 
piece of information that gives better context at who the divine is. But but you could say that about politics. You can say that about um, yeah. a lot of things. It's not isolated. That's just that's just our human experience. Um, and not necessarily everyone's human experience, although I do think it's pretty common here in America. What I would add to that is um, an and. It's not just God who becomes bigger and better and, you know, and all that that in our in our view, but it's humanity that does as well. Oh, when, but that's so anti-God, right? <laughs> but... You know, like when you when you talk about having to protect and you talk about having to, you know, bolster up and shore up your defenses and you, you talk about, you know, the tax coming in, all that kind of stuff, you have to dehumanize your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. I mean, think about it in a, in a war kind of scenario. You know, you, you cannot uh, you cannot take someone else's life if you see their life as equal to yours. Um God, I gotta be really careful with that. I, I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how it could be any other way. I mean, there has to be this, this shift that, that my life, or the life of the people that I associate with, is more valuable than their life in this moment, right? And so, um, I, you have to dehumanize them mm-hmm. in order for that to happen. Okay. The same thing happens when we feel like our attack, when our beliefs have been attacked. Mm-hmm. If I have to pro- if I have to protect my beliefs from you attacking my beliefs, there is an element of dehumanization that must happen in order for in order for me to protect those beliefs, right? Which is and, where the labels come in. It's much easier to say yes. that you as a as a Mormon are I could dehumanize you with the name Mormon right. as a Christian, right? So right. I don't actually see you as a human. I see you as a Mormon. Or a gay person. Right, or a, right. Yes, a, you know, whatever, a, a, what we would call a sexual deviant, you oh, know. Uh, I'm yeah. talking about, you know, people, right. just anything different than, than you the, know, the missionary position. The right? label allows us to, yeah. yeah. There, so in that, um, it, and this goes back to what we were talking about before, like those those parents who who had these very strict, you know, ideolo- ideological beliefs about what gender was and what sexuality was, and all of a sudden their child, right? And then they have to come to this place of choosing love. They were faced with a choice of do I continue dehumanizing this label? And in in which case I will dehumanize my child. Mm-hmm. Or do I continue to recognize the humanity of my child and my connection with them? I choose to recognize their humanity, which then opens up the humanity of all of those within that same uh, uh, connection mm-hmm. to you know to be human as well. And all of a sudden, it's not just that I I can't despise my gay son or daughter. It, it's I can't despise gay people. All of a sudden, they they become human again, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I, you know, when you when you look at like the 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 in, the volumes that have been written on you know and theologies and doctrines to say this is why this is right and this is why this is wrong and da da da, you know, all that kind of stuff to parse everything out and to get to the nitty gritty and to make the rules and this is when it's okay and this is when it's not and all that kind of stuff, is it any wonder that 
people can stream into a church on Sunday morning and sing about love and hear a great message about it and all that kind of stuff, and then go out to lunch afterwards and treat their their waiter or their, their waitress like shit, right? Uh, and that is like... They're, like they're, they're called s- a server, I think. It's not a waiter and a waitress I anymore. I apologize. <laughs> their server like shit. <laughs> um, uh because that's a thing. That's like that's like a real thing that you like just like Google it sometime. It it is there are horror stories about servers yeah. who restaurants close to churches. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, here comes the Sunday crowd, you know? And it's like, how can that be? How can that be? Well, it's because there is this disconnect between what is more important, the rules or the or the or humanity. And and I would say that the emphasis of the evangelical church has been more to the conforming to the rules than it has been to be open to the humanity. Because of being open to humanity causes you to question a rule, the rule wins. I would add one thing to that. Okay. To the example Only that... One? Yeah. Okay. Um to the example that you gave. The, th- the other thing that happens when you walk into an evangelical church is a an environment that is wired for this um, emotional musical experience, right? That um, usually is a conversation in the song about how awful I am and how good God is. And this... this um, True. Yes. This uh, relationship. In many cases, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and bolstering up the goodness of God while reminding myself in that process. Of my own depravity. Of my depravity <laughs> and how much I need that really good God, yeah. right? So you take that experience um, that a human goes through, introduce music into that scenario introduce an emotional response into that scenario, then have them sit there and listen to more teaching on that parallel, and then send them out to a restaurant. What is left for them to do? Yeah. But to work on coming back up out of that and finding some kind of self-worth in that. And for many of us (laughs) as humans... In order to do Shit. that, yeah. In order to do that, we have to put something else down because we haven't actually seen anything good in ourselves. Wow. Yeah. I, I think you may be onto something. Mm. <laughs> onto something, but we're also guilty of it. You know, we were part of yeah, that experience, sure. and sure. Um, and part of the entitlement when we walked out of the doors that we just had this experience and I just worked through all of this shit in my life in this hour and a half, you know, sit. And now I'm going to go out and try and live. Like, how how do I do that? There is another emotional response that's going to happen on the other side of that um, if we're going to survive it. Well, because the other part of it is, is that that is uh, uh, <laughs> that is impossible to maintain over the course of an entire week. 
I mean, you can only yeah. handle. That's it why in, you come back on Wednesday that, night. Yeah, that's you can only handle it in. <laughs> and you go doses. to Bible study on Thursday morning. Yeah, you can only handle it in doses because if if you were to live in that kind of framework all the time that you are, you know that that a lot of uh, a lot of churches preach, uh, you wouldn't survive. Well, we didn't. I'm talking about. I'm talking about at a much. There's a much deeper level here. I mean that you know, you know if if I if I lived with an awareness and not just an awareness but an engagement with my own depraved nature every single day, then that would win at some point in time, right? I mean you you just can't. So you you have to disassociate from that. Which then makes church the experience that happens. Not a way of life. Once a week, or if you're a really good Christian, two, three plus times a week, mm-hmm. right? Um, it is not a way of life. Because um, it can't be. No. You can't live that. No, you, know? you can't. Now, I know that there are congregations that don't live in that way. Um, and I say and I say congregations because they're not just Christian. I mean, they're congregations of people in in across a wide variety of right. spectrums. We're talking specifically about our evangelical yeah, Christian experience, that, uh, that including some Christian fellowships too. Right. That that live and teach in a way that says love is the highest order, mm-hmm. whatever it looks like. And if you recognize love, then you recognize God. And so, if if your rule system comes into conflict when you recognize love because you're like, my rules don't allow for that to exist over there. Well, then it's your rule that's wrong. Love, in Rob Bell's terms, love wins, right? Yeah. Um, but, it's tr- but it's true. And it's like, those are amazingly beautiful congregations. Not perfect, not, not without their flaws, not with, you know, all that. But amazing. Anytime we get together as sure. human beings, sure. there's going to be... Yes, um, including in this house, right? I mean, it's like... It, oh, no, it, we have a perfect house. Everything <laughs> goes perfect. But it's, Everybody loves so everybody well. Everybody loves so well. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I just think that it's, you know, these things get displayed in better ways at times. And then you're like, that's really intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. That's really intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I know a lot of this is, you know, like, okay, this is fine to talk about, but. What do I do with it? Yeah, our world's never going to get to that. We're, we're never going to live in a, we're never going to live in a world, much less a country, much less a state, much less a neighborhood, much less a house <laughs> where we love perfectly all the time and everybody's just, you know, mm-hmm perfectly vulnerable with each other and there's this sweet caring for each other, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's never going to happen. So what's the point, you know? Well, and I would just, and I, and I continue to hold on to this because I, I used to, I used to let that discourage me. And I said, yeah, but what the hell is the harm in, in desiring that? What, what the hell is the, the harm in, and trying to maybe work towards that, you know, to trying to engage with my inner self in a way to say, um, how can I be more conformed uh, into love? Right. 
transformed by love? How, how can that, what can I do that I can engage more and more and more with that? And that if that's a little bit more today than it was tomorrow, then it's that much closer that we are to that utopia, you know? Um, and that's better than being further from it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a firm um, believer that, um, that when I make evolutions in myself, it affects, it affects those around me. Yeah. Um, and if we keep having these conversations, then we give permission for us collectively to evolve, um, which does impact our communities and it does impact our um, experience right. in life. Um, so uh, I don't think there's any any harm or void or, uh, yeah, in, in doing that um, simply because it can change just my household. It can yeah. change my work environment. It can change a lot of things by simply changing my own it can change perspective. our relationship. Yeah, it did, actually. Yeah, it did, actually. Yeah. But it can change us, too, just mm-hmm. for us. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, a, I mean, yeah. if if the only thing that you change in the world is your your direct surrounding, then wow, that's amazing. Ain't it's amazing. Wrong with that? Yeah. So. We just solved everyone's issues. Yeah, there you go. We just okay. fixed the world. Get on board, world. The not church. Not a church. That was no, my idea. Not a church. Not a church. <laughs> the, the not a church church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the not a church sometime when it's you know not triggering to you like when I presented it it's, last time. I still don't like it. <laughs> I just think it'd be a blast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will not be attending the not church. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. We'll see you, everybody. <laughs>